Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Jocks and Dykes Show! As always, your host, Ramon Khaled, Adi Batal, and the amazing Dr. Asad Khaled. Gone on you with the pick and roll, Younger Flame here in sickle mode. Yes, yes, yes! This is a brand new edition of the Jackson Doc Show, the number one sports injury brand in podcast, who finally has a thousand followers. Yes, yes, yes. We are very excited. As always, I am the honorable host of Mon College, joined by my esteemed colleagues, colleagues Adi, Lil, and Patel, and the physician with the best position, Dr. Usad College. Uh, as always, please subscribe and give us a five-star review and let us know why you love our show so much. You can follow us on your favorite podcasting streaming applications. That's, that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Anchor. Um, also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at J-O-C-S-A-N-D-D-O-C-S for new content. Um, today, we're starting our podcast with some gigantic, huge news. Kawhi Leonard signed... <laughs> A deal with New Balance, and nobody understands it. <laughs> uh, what do you mean we yeah. don't understand? No, it's perfect. It's Dad's blatant. everywhere rejoicing. It's been like two weeks since this news has come out, I think, and uh, it's so big that we still have to talk about it on this podcast because uh, it makes sense from a Kawhi standpoint. It doesn't make sense from a human being standpoint, but uh, Kawhi signed a – uh, a multi-year deal with New Balance. And interestingly enough, when it was announced, uh, Kawhi and Kawhi Fashion denied it actually happened. So um, take that, take take from that what you will. But So do we think that this deal was orchestrated by his uncle and friends in New York? Remember when they were doing the whole weird thing where he went to New York with his, uh, with his gang and hit out from the Spurs? This had to be some background. I don't think Kawhi has anything to do with his own life. Well, I think I think whoever paid him the most probably because we don't have the figures, right? So whoever paid, he, they probably try to make a splash the same way Adidas dropped Harden a quarter billion. I mean, Kawhi is really not a bad play, and when you really consider, the man has a whole country as his market, really. And Toronto is not a joke, like you know, for our less uh, traveled American followers, uh, Toronto would be the equivalent of a Chicago, Houston type of market it's a it's a it's a major city so um i bet you they just financially offered him but i can't wait to visit toronto for the first time next spring and see a bunch of kids running around the six and new balances and, <laughs> and the, and the new five by ass off. <laughs> how so and, how boring do we think these shoes are going to be i don't know I, I, i'm here for an upset i'm here for they try so hard like to like be like boom, we're the new new we're the new new balance. Like double <laughs> new. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned the figures. Uh, and previously, I think it was reported that uh, Kawhi had some issues with. He was a previously on Jordan brand, and he had some issues with the Jordan brand and uh, his time in San Antonio. Obviously, not giving him the respect he wanted. So I think it was in March uh, he turned down a four year thirty two twenty two million dollar extension with the Jordan brand. So that New Balance deal is probably a little bit more. And, okay, what uh, was it? What was it? What was the number? It was four years, twenty-two million dollar extension in March. Uh, that is and- ludicrous. If if James Harden is getting a quarter billion dollar deal, 
and they're offering him 22 million, literally 10%. Not to say that he has anywhere the marketability of a James Harden, but if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I would be insulted by that, wouldn't you? Of course. I mean, he's a star player. And I honestly think he might be better than Harden uh, in terms of NBA, NBA actual uh, quality of play, but. I mean, he's obviously not. What does that even mean? <laughs> we'll call you a player. <laughs> How about the real NBA? Okay, he's in the real NBA. He's I think he's also a better player than Harden. Uh, he's a better two way player for sure. Um, but let's not let's not uh, forget the other side of this with New Balance, who has been making a splash recently. And I'm not sure if you guys remember this, but uh, Darius Baisley, a high school player who had signed. His, uh, who had signed with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, um, signed a New Balance deal in high school, and they hired him as an intern. Uh, so basically, they're paying him $14 million as an intern. Um, it's a little interesting, but New Balance is making a splash in the, uh, in the NBA market, as well as other brands like Puma, um, who signed Aiden. And uh, yeah, so any other thoughts on New Balance? <laughs> Well, I just want to like, who do you think is gonna who do you think is gonna have the higher selling shoe, Aton or Ka- Kawhi, Puma or New Balance? No, I I definitely think Kawhi. He's got. I'm telling you, he's gonna whole Toronto is gonna be running around with their woes and New Balances. That's what's gonna happen. Is it? Isn't this kind of a shot at Drake though? I, you know, it's funny you said that because I wonder how Drake couldn't kind of broker a deal. But then maybe yeah. this guy doesn't want to be in Toronto after this year. So I don't know. Maybe you think it's a long con? You think, you think he's playing for a bigger move later? I, I, I got to know what the figures are, right? We don't know what – there's no – they haven't released any figures. So I, it's pretty hard to tell what, what, what it could be until we see that. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's a, it's a total mystery to us. But, I mean, it's a total – Kawhi move as you said in the Kawhi in the Kawhi verse as we call it uh so I mean typical Kawhi move we shouldn't question it because that's what Kawhi does but let's move on to some other NBA news that's uh actually more pressing and actually more of in our field uh although we are some good sneakerheads I think but let's talk about Markel Fultz and uh the shoulder injury the phantom shoulder injury that's not so phantom anymore Apparently, it's a brain injury. That's not actually a brain injury. I don't really understand what's going on. This is why we have. Wait, where did you see that this was a brain injury? I heard it was a neurological. Neurological uh, equates to the oh, brain. Okay. Am, I, am I mistaken? I don't know. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, you, you can correct me. me. You're the doctor. You correct me. You, you take this. <laughs> Go ahead. So, after, I guess, after, you know, however many months of this mystery going on with. With Markel, he's seen multiple specialists over the last couple of weeks, and what's weird is this is kind of driven by his agent, which I, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the play is there. But you know, after seeing however many specialists, however many shoulder specialists, it seems like they finally settled on a diagnosis of what they're calling neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, which, you know, that's this is where I make my living is explaining things that other people have never heard of before, and this is actually a pretty pretty easy to comprehend injury or injury. It's not really an injury. It's more of a syndrome, which is why it's called the thoracic outlet syndrome. Uh, but, you know, the, the easiest way to describe it is there's a space between your neck and right above your armpit where all of the nerves that go to your arm, it's called the brachial plexus. It's a plexus of nerves. All, all those nerves that go travel into your arm that control your deltoid, you, control you moving the arm up, bending your elbow, 
moving your hands, your fingers, your, your wrist, all those nerves travel in a big bundle called the brachial plexus through that space. It's called the thoracic outlet. So it's thoracic outlet syndrome. Basically what happens is all those nerves get compressed in that space. And the reason for that compression can be, it can be multivariable, you know, uh, the most, it can either be from a bone, which is often, uh, we call a cervical rib, which is the very first rib in your body. Sometimes uh, it's an extra rib that can push on those nerves, especially when you raise the arm up. It's really rare, less than 1% of the population has this rib. Um, it can be from chronic overuse of the shoulder, which is likely why Marco Fultz has it. Um, and then it can also be uh, just from... Uh, anatomic issues or soft tissue problems like your scalene muscles which is a muscle in your neck that borders that that uh, outlet it can become hypertrophied and which means it just gets too big and then it can push on the nerves so and you could just be born with some of this stuff so faults i i'm guessing would be a chronic overuse injury which would lead to this outlet syndrome um, and what it is is basically those nerves get compressed when you lift your arm up and when your nerves get compressed you get neurologic symptoms, which would be weakness, pain, shooting pains, numbness, tingling. The presentation for this can be really, really variable. You know, you can have anything from the stuff I just talked about uh, to vascular issues, which means issues to your blood vessels, because there's blood vessels that flow through that outlet too. Uh, but his seems to be more neurologic in nature. So I, it's not surprising that this was overlooked, I don't believe that it was overlooked. I, I think that at some point with all the specialists he had seen, somebody must have guessed that this was a problem. Um, a lot of times patients with this will end up with, with scopes in their shoulder to look for a cause and not find anything. And the treatment for this uh, starts with rehab. So that's what the reports are saying is that he's going to go to a, a famous rehab doctor who's worked with Kobe before worked at uh, Elton Brand in LA uh, to begin the rehab for this. And, you know, the timeline puts it three to six weeks. I think that's very short. I think this can take months to get better and months before uh, he finds a shot again, because not only are you dealing with the physical component of the rehab, which involves strengthening the shoulders, strengthening his posture, um, strengthening his core and his back. But after, once you, once you get his pain resolved, you have to you have to get his shot rehab. You have to get his uh, confidence back. You have to get him back in game flow. And he, you know, this has been going on for years, or a year and a half at least, right? So you're dealing with a guy who's lost confidence in his basketball ability, and you're going to have some work to get that back. So I hope that answers some of these questions. So I have a few follow up questions. Um, you talked about this affecting his range of motion, particularly with his shooting motion. But how come it doesn't affect uh, the dribbling motion, the passing motion, rebounding? I mean, all. I mean, is it so? Is your shoulder used so much more in, in your in your shot as opposed to when you're passing or dribbling? Or so it has to do with that space being closed down when you raise your arm. So when the arm goes over the shoulder level, that space that that those nerves travel to becomes tighter and tighter which is why you get symptoms when the arm is above the shoulder. If the arm's dangling by the side, usually you're just fine. There's enough space for those nerves. Unless it's a very, very severe issue, those nerves are, can travel just fine through that space with the arm by the side. But once you close that space down, like in, a, like in a jump shot type motion, that's when you'll start to feel it. 
All right. And uh, I mean, do you think, I mean, there's a possibility that, do you think there's a possibility that Fultz will regain full 100% motion on his shot? Or is this something he's going to have to adjust uh, in the future? Or, I mean, is he just completely screwed? I don't think he's completely screwed. Uh, really, what the the question that we don't have the answer to is what is causing this issue? Is it really just an overuse problem that they can get through rehab? Is it something he was born with where he has an extra cervical rib that's compressed yet that needs surgery to take out? Is it, uh, you know, a scaling hypertrophy that is going to take them a little bit more extensive rehab? We don't have an answer yet. All indications seem to be that uh, his camp thinks that they can rehab this in three to six weeks and get back, which makes it, which is pretty optimistic and uh, usually means it's a good prognosis for him. If, if, he had something extra pushing on it. We would know about it. I'm sure he's had the MRI scans. I'm sure he's had the CT scans. We would know if there was something surgically to go decompress. So I think, I think he should be able to get through this with the rehab, but it's not a guarantee and it's not an easy fix. I'd much rather have a broken ankle that I can fix with plate and screws than have to rehab this issue for a guard who honestly needs a jump shot to stay in the NBA. Unless you're uh, Ben Simmons, the 6'10". Yeah. And have never taken a single three-pointer in the NBA. <laughs> in two full years, let alone make one. But um, Adi, do you have any uh, thoughts on Markel Fultz's potential trade value? I mean, before before this news, and I said you can weigh in, before this news, I, I think a lot of teams and a lot of people thought this was purely mental. Uh, there was no actual physical injury. I think with the music to to agree, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I uh, do you think this increases his trade value growing going forward? I mean, before this news was announced, there was reports of offers that they were going to send Kyle Korver in a second rounder to Philly. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So do you think? What do you think about the trade value? The man has no trade value right now. <laughs> I wouldn't trade him for Kendrick Lamar's toenail. Uh, I, I think until we find out more, um, unless I'm the Brooklyn Nets or I can't even say the Phoenix Suns because they're the only bad team in the West, right? So they can't even stash around. Without a, a point guard. Without a point guard, too. True, true, true. So, I mean, unless you're really the Brooklyn Nets or the Phoenix Suns, and I would, by the way, because I believe the NBA should reward uh, risk-to-reward type deals like this because why not? You know, what if he comes back? He could always be that guy. But uh, I, I don't see a team that is in contention right now taking a chance on him. They don't A, they don't want the, the melodrama of having uh, – you know, the circus that would come with B, they don't want to, you know, take attention away from a potential roster spot because he would be, I mean, you guys would admit it's pretty much adding a dead weight on your roster for the rest of the season. Right. Um, What about a team that's not a contender? I mean, what about the Suns? What about a team like the Bulls? What about a team? I don't know. Uh, There's, I mean, a team that's willing to take a chance on a good young player, uh, giving up draft picks for a former first Pick. Or if not draft, if, if they can dump a little salary, maybe like, you know, a player that's a veteran on one of those teams like Trevor Ariza, per se, 
uh, you know, the Sixers could certainly use Trevor Ariza, right? Uh, Somebody who, uh, if they could get rid of a long-term salary, I would look for that more than a draft pick. Otherwise, I'm just throwing a second rounder. Do you can you really justify giving up a first rounder when you're a bad team for Markel Fultz? No way, right? Uh, no, yeah, no. I mean, it had it have to be heavily protected, and at that point, it wouldn't even be worth it to the Sixers to just keep him right. on the roster. Right. I mean, at the very least, lottery protected, right? And then if you're the Bulls or if you're the Suns or if you're the Nets, you're not going to be out of the lottery for a year or two. So I don't really see it working for either party. So I think right now the best bet is to sh- just, if I'm a team, is to sit and wait unless you're the Suns or the Nets and you want to get rid of some salary or the Bulls. And I think the saddest thing about this this whole situation was just, I mean, if you saw Markel Fultz's college tape, anyone's ever seen that you knew that kid could fall like he it wasn't that he wasn't uh like deserving of the number one pick I mean sure there was speculation that should have been Jason Tatum but even the Celtics have come out and said they would they would have taken Fultz um had the trade not been offered uh and it's it's just really sad to see such a good young player just not be able to to figure it out due to due to some physical restraints but hopefully he returns to form hopefully I said uh is right about this and he can return to good form. Any other thoughts on Markel Fultz? I'm just really interested to see the outcome of this because, you know, it's the first time I can remember seeing this in a basketball player. I know there've been pitchers in the past, like Matt Harvey had to deal with this. Um, Usually, you know, usually it's a baseball issue, but first time I've seen this in a, in a basketball player and interesting to see what happens. Uh, I was gonna say from a from a legal standpoint, you know, some of us are lawyers on the show. Um, I would want to go back if I'm him internally and go over who has been advising me. Has there been any malpractice? Like how has this repeatedly been undiagnosed, misdiagnosed? Sure, I'm not willing to admit there's a chance that, you know, it just slipped through the cracks. But if I'm expected to be the first round draft pick. I mean, I'm sure even the insurance companies are going to want to do this because there's tens of millions of dollars involved here. So anyway, I just want to say that I hope, you know, there's no negligence in his past history with his medical treatment or anything. And I, and I, and I hope he's being surrounded by people who are advising him correctly. I'd be really surprised if there was any sort of medical negligence. I mean, people overlook this stuff all the time. Because really, it's a catch-all diagnosis that you, you don't. It's not your first go-to diagnosis. So, um, you know, if, to, I guess to prove something negligent, you have to. You have to. Oh yeah, on. no, I don't. I, you know, I'm not even saying it is, but you have to admit that he's not just a normal person coming in. He's going to be one of the most examined bodies in the world, right? A potential number one draft pick. So right. You, and you gotta understand. Through. I mean, you gotta think how many physicals the guy went through just through the NBA draft process too. You know, I, I'm sure most of the lottery teams, their their doctors examine them, and these are some of the best orthopedic surgeons in the world that are doing this. So. No, no, but what about what about the fact that after we knew something was wrong, it still took so long to to come out with this? What about that? that? Is, you know, that's a good point because I, you know, he he's come out and said before that he's been fine and. You know, even after even after he started coming back this season, is you know I'm, I feel fine, I'm good, I'm good, I'll be okay. And then all of a sudden, it's let me go see specialists. I'm shut down for the year. Let me see what happens. So, uh, you know, I, it's a little perplexing. I don't really have a good answer for it. 
going back to even last season, uh, even from the beginning of the season, he had the shoulder injury. He was held out. Uh, and then October 29th, he was ruled out indefinitely. But then in December, he came out and said uh, he no longer had any soreness. My question with this is, um, if they if they just let him rehab it and rest it, is there is there different techniques for rehabbing this injury than it would be just like a normal shoulder su- uh, surgery? Like, what is the rehab like with this injury? Yeah, so the the rehab is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit. It's going to target a little bit of a different area than you would a shoulder surgery. But I also have a hard time to believe that some of the rehab doesn't overlap between the two. So that's why when when they say three to six weeks, there's no quick rehab fix to fix this. You know, it's not like there's a <clears throat> there's a special exercise you do and then all of a sudden it gets better over a couple of weeks. That's not how it works. It, this can take this can take months to truly get better. So three to six weeks is very optimistic. Um, could it happen? Sure. But I I don't think it's I don't think that's going to necessarily get rid of his problems that quickly. Sure. Um, all right, let's move on to some other NBA news. Uh, first off, uh, Patrick Beverly was fined twenty five thousand dollars for the NBA for throwing a ball at a fan. Uh, pretty hilarious. If you guys want to see the video, you should check that out. Um, also, and close to our home, Fred Hoiberg was fired from the Bulls in a surprising move. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that because that was a pretty big shock to me. Um, it seemed like the Bulls knew that they were rebuilding. There was a lot of injuries to start off the year. Dunn, Markinen, Portis, Valentine. He wasn't given a great roster. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why Fred Hoiberg was fired so early into the season without giving him a chance to work with Markinen uh, and put him in the system and see how it works. But Jim Bolin takes over. He was a longtime Houston co- uh, assistant coach. Um, I think he started in the 90s. He won three championships, two with Tom Janovich uh, during the Bulls, during Jordan's absence. Uh, he coached at Utah for four years. <laughs> uh, me and Avi are very, very contentious about this, but <laughs> we won't get into this debate on this podcast today. Um, we're going to keep talking about Fred Hoiberg. But yeah, so Fred Hoiberg ends up with a 115-150 record, uh, losing record, and Jim Bolin takes over. Um, not too excited about the hiring. He interviewed for the Charlotte job last year. Uh, he didn't get it, but he's a longtime assistant. Um, it's an interesting move. I think we should maybe go younger, but I think it's a culture move, Fred Hoiberg. Uh, obviously, I guess, has lost his locker room. Um, and so... It's probably for the best. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on the Fred Hoiberg firing? Um, I, I don't really get why teams that are supposed to suck fire coaches for sucking. But aside from that, I, I guess it's cutting their losses early and what they, they think is not their vision moving forward. And if that's the case, then that's good for them. I just don't want – I just don't want – you know, every coach change that happens when you have a young talent like the team ha- has, you know, you just feel really bad for the young players who are getting comfortable with a certain system and a staff. And so I just don't want this to continue. So I certainly hope the Bulls know what they're doing. And uh, it's still a question if the Bulls do know what they're doing. They do. They didn't make they didn't make one very good trade. But aside from that, Jabari move, I mean, even hiring Hoiberg, uh, and they still haven't fired Gar Foreman, which is 
beyond my belief. But uh, yeah, so the jury's still out on the Bulls and making good decisions. What about the first thing you brought up? What about the the? It's been like a rash of these where fans just are inappropriately heckling players, and for some reason, people think it's okay, or as fans think it's okay to just go, you know, personally attack these players. Like they're not humans either, you know. And like you know, you saw Kevin Durant cuss out some guy, and Kevin Durant's just a villain in general. But Pat Bev, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna cuss someone out, Pat Bev's not the guy to do it, right? Pat Bev played in Russia, like he's. The He's hard thing about bro. all this is that like it's just rich old white dudes who are doing this, like <laughs> calling a bunch of young black dudes, you know, terrible players, talking about their mothers. It's just a little bit off-putting to me. Um, like you're just sitting from the sideline, you got all this money, and you're just talking a bunch of crap to, I mean, guys playing. I, I think it would be a little bit. I think you should be a little bit bigger than that if you are that successful. But I mean, who am I to say? I'd probably do the same thing if I had all that money. Um, my one request, though, in that situation is to at least make the trash talk interesting. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but the Hawks, the entire fan base during the Durant's free throws, started yelling, Draymond hates you. <laughs> uh, and, and that's some creative stuff. You know, if the entire stadium's chanting that against Durant, that's going to affect him a little bit, I think. Um, but I don't know. I just, I just hate just generic shit talking because you don't like the team or you're just there to be there you know what i'm saying but yeah uh, i agree we can move on to uh some nfl news week 13 was a very packed week with injuries um some very huge injuries uh to say the least when you're starting your playoff fantasy uh when you're starting your fantasy playoffs so I said, let's take it away with the injury report, get into this. We have some big ones with James Conner, obviously, but then some possible returners in Melvin Gordon and Deontay Foreman. Uh, so let's just talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's start with James Conner, because this is a guy who most of us were lucky to pick up, or not most of us, but if you have him, you were lucky enough to pick him up early in the season with the expectation that you might get, what, six or seven weeks out of him before Lev Bell returned. Uh, Maybe like two. I thought it was like two or three, which is why two I didn't or three. pick him up. And yeah, same here. Season, we all did. So. <laughs> but I mean, this guy—he he brought a lot of players to the playoffs, and uh, now James Conner by video looks like he had a high ankle sprain. Uh, we called that when it happened. Uh, your favorite TV doc called it when it happened. Mike Tomlin was uh, living in a state of disbelief, though, and said it was just a contusion. <clears throat> and we were—you know—I I, I put on Twitter. I said, "I'll take the L if that's true," but. Um, you know, I was still wasn't convinced. It didn't look like he hit the leg, which is like a direct contact. It looked like he twisted his ankle, which is what happened. Because later today, we found out that it actually is a sprain, and he's actually out this week. Surprise, surprise. Listen to us, and, you know, if you would have known that a couple of days ago. <clears throat> but, you know, this looks to me like a two- to three-week injury. James Conner brought you to the playoffs, <clears throat> and he may, uh, he may end up not playing for you in the playoffs. So I hope you have – enough backup options there to, to survive in the first first and second round because uh, you're, he's obviously missing this week. He might miss next week too. What, what do we think about uh, – what's his backup, Jalen Samuels? Are we Jalen Samuels. targeting him? I'm not – I mean, I think you have to at this point just because of the lack of options in the waiver wire to this point. But, I mean, I don't know if we're super confident. We weren't even confident in James Conner going to the season – I'm not sure we're that much conf- more confident in Jalen Samuels, but he does have some talent. He's a good ca- uh, pass catching back. 
to come in when James Conner got hurt. But I'm not holding my breath with Jalen Samuels. Obviously, he's the number one pickup in fantasy this week. But, I mean, it's it's 50-50, really. They could just go full Ben Roethlisberger, pass the Juju, pass the Antonio, and and basically ignore the run game. But we'll see. The jury's still out. Would you rather have Jalen Samuels or a – Who's the who's the guy in uh, San Francisco? Justin Jackson Jr. or something? I think. Jason uh, Justin Jackson, something like that. <laughs> JJJ, Triple J. JJJ. I think I'm going with Jalen Samuels just because we don't trust the the Niners' offense enough um, to get past both a quarterback injury and a starting running two starting running back injuries. Let's not forget they lost Jack McKinnon before the season even started. So these are both three, uh, the third option running backs for this team. So I don't know how much faith you guys have in them. Uh, I don't have that much faith, um, but I mean, you have to pick them up and just hope it works out. So someone who is coming back probably, um, if not this week, then probably sooner than you think is Melvin Gordon. Who had an MCL injury a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know he's he may or may not come back this week. I think it's probably a forty percent chance he plays so far. But watch the practice schedule; he he may be ready to go back in your lineup. Also, just a FYI, it's uh, it's not Justin Jackson; it's Jeff Jackson. Uh, oh, we were Jeff close. Wilson. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not even close. Jeff Wilson Jr. It's not even a last J. It's not even triple J. So. Wow, we messed J-W-J. that one up. Yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr. Sorry to you, man, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> you're probably yeah, not. But just, <laughs> uh, so anyways, Melvin Gordon, MCL injury a couple of weeks ago. I, I thought this was going to be a two- or three-week injury, and this is going to be about week two. Now, I don't expect him to practice early in the week, but if he, if he starts practicing Friday, be on the lookout because it'll be a game-time decision. Um. So with Melvin Gordon possibly coming back, A.J. Green, who essentially been out for the last, what, five or six weeks now with that turf toe, uh, tried to come back and run and ran a route. And you could see him try to push off on the field and boom, there goes his, his plantar plate. So he's uh, probably going to end up with surgery, season-ending surgery for A.J. Green. So my question was, in, in terms of that injury, was it because he uh... – was it because he rushed back too soon, or was it just completely uh, coincidence that it's the same foot? Same. I mean, well, it was definitely not coincidence. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was. It was weekend before uh, he he thought he would get away without surgery, which sometimes you can do, but it, it involves a pretty long period of rest, and a lot of times it ends up going to surgery anyways. So he just he reaggravated it, and you know at that point you're you're going to be out for the season whether you do surgery or not. So he should be good to go for next year though. Another player that re-aggravated a foot injury, Greg Olson, uh, Panthers tight end. But actually, you know, he had he had the Jones fracture early in the year, uh, decided not to have surgery for it, which you can do. But, you know, the question was always, when is it going to catch up to him and when is he going to end up on the IR? And it turns out that was this week. You're saying it's not the same fracture. It's a compensation from the fracture that he had before and he ruptured his plantar plate – or, sorry, his plantar fascia which is a little weird to me because that's not a season-ending injury usually. Uh, he could have ruptured his plantar plate, which is what I initially thought they meant, which is the same injury A.J. Green has. Considering he said he, uh, he would be out for the season. Um, so it's still a little bit of a mystery as to what exactly he, he tore. But Greg Olson, um, likely done for the year, done for your fantasy playoffs. Um, tight end and landscape is weak as it is, so good luck trying to find someone to fill in for that. 
Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say it's unfortunate for Greg Olson. Always been a fan of Greg Olson, but um, sucks to see a guy come back. And I think you called it earlier in the year, too, that he probably needed surgery on this. Uh, and he decided he elected not to get it. And this is what happens when you don't yep. listen to Jocks and Docs. So, sorry, <laughs> yeah, you should have listened to us. <laughs> Uh, the only other player I'll touch on is Matt Breida, who apparently is, is out for this week, and this is going to be the first game he's missed since high school. Apparently, I he's been dealing with yeah, I he's been dealing with injuries all year too, which is weird. This is a reaggravation of the ankle injury he he had been dealing with, and uh, I guess they're just not going to not going to take any chances this time. It's just sit him out and try to get him healthy. So Breida out for this year or uh, this this game too. Um, there's a, another big return that, I mean, he got injured last year with the Achilles, but Deontay Foreman just activated uh, to the active roster for the Texans. What do you expect out of Deontay Foreman? And is there any, uh, is there any, um, gonna, is there going to be any setbacks in terms of his play? Like, is he going to be limited a little bit in his first few yeah. weeks? Or is so he he's coming off the up? Achilles. Yeah, he's coming off the Achilles. I know I stashed him in the IR spot in one of my leagues just in case, but I'm not expecting much out of uh, Dante Foreman this year. I think next year should be uh, should be interesting to see how he can come back, but <clears throat> I, I would not expect much out of him this season. All right. Uh, are there any other injuries you want to touch on? Chris Harris Jr. is an interesting one, although he's... Yeah, bro- broken fibula. Um, That's very, interesting very... because he... Uh, I think they said they're going to leave him... Uh, leave not, not put him on the IR, and he actually has a chance to come back and play the season is that is that typical with these types of injuries or are they just uh... yeah it, it just depends where the fracture is so for him if it's a fibula fracture it's usually high up enough to where it won't need surgery and uh, that seems to be the case with him so you know he is lucky for him i guess uh um fractured fibula and uh, without surgery he he could come back late in the year especially if they make it to the playoffs which they are, uh, they are searching right now. Broncos are hot, are hot, which is very surprising to me. But let's move on to uh, some just basic NFL news. Mike McCarthy was fired uh, in the middle of the day. Not even they didn't even wait a day. They just fired him after the game. Uh, they put brought him into the office and said you're gone. They Donald Trumped him. Uh, so <laughs> good or bad news to the <laughs> NFC North? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think it's bad news for the NFC North, the rest of the NFC North, because Mike McCarthy was such a terrible head coach, and there's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers is about to get a, uh, an amazing offensive coach. If they somehow get someone like Matt Nagy or something, uh, look out, because I would be totally afraid of Aaron Rodgers in that type of system. Um, but I think the bigger news uh, of the week, and kind of depressing, in fact, very depressing, in fact, is uh, the Kareem Hunt situation, which was not uh, taken seriously by the NFL when it was first reported. But now Kareem Hunt has been put on the NFL exemplist for uh, for basically a video releasing showing him hitting, uh, kicking and pushing another woman, which is very unfortunate, uh, which is assault as well. But um, yeah, so Kareem Hunt. Uh, basically off your fantasy team, which also might have screwed you more than uh, John Connor actually getting hurt. Um, James Connor. James Connor. Did I say John Connor, the Terminator? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. James Connor uh, getting hurt. Kareem Hunt, unfortunate. He didn't get picked up on waivers. I'm not sure if teams are 
going to pick him up. It could be a Ray Rice situation. I mean, Adi, do you think this is a Ray Rice situation or is it more Ezekiel Elliott uh, and that type of it? I mean, there's a video release well, which put – I mean, go ahead. Well, he's he's <clears throat> he's younger. So Ray Rice was on the tail end of his career. So I definitely think that's something to remember first. Second, he seems to be saying and doing all the immediately right things. Not that he really has a choice, right? But <clears throat> I can totally see a team. Uh, this is the NFL. What are, who are we kidding? Kidding? He's an offensive talent. He's going to get a chance again. Type. Uh, he's. He. I don't think this is a Ray Rice situation. Than that, it's a career ender. He'll be back by next year, maybe maximum two years from now. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think a team is in the right for picking up Kareem Hunt, or I mean, should he should his career be over? I, I mean, I think I don't know if his career should be over personally, but I mean, it's such a the video itself is so damning that I'm not sure from a PR standpoint it would be good to pick up Kareem Hunt and I don't know I mean obviously the Redskins picked up Reuben Foster there's no video on that um, which is also odd that they picked up Reuben Foster and then they lost both of their starting quarterbacks and now they refuse to pick up Colin Kaepernick who is by far like by far the best quarterback on the market so I don't know how anybody can say this isn't collusion I mean it's base blatant collusion that they'll they'll hire someone who is accused of hitting their significant other, but not a guy who kneels during the national anthem. I don't know. That's how we lost followers, though, so we're not going to talk about Kaepernick <laughs> anymore. Um, but yeah, how, how do you feel about this Kareem Hunt situation, Adi? No, I think he deserves no chance. I think everyone who, uh, first of all, Colin Kaepernick didn't even commit a crime. So that's the first thing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like this, we can't even compare. This is craziness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't even compare. Like, we're talking about him. Uh, the same way that we're talking about a guy who just kicked a pregnant woman on the floor. All right, so let's let's. Uh, I I think that, um, no, I think that everybody in society that ends up coming back, uh, and doing whatever it takes to get, like you know, it's not like he's out here like yeah I hit her, you know, like if he's truly getting better and he re- rehabilitates his image. I think he gets a shot, but I'm consistent across the board when it comes to that. I, I believe that about everybody. Um, so yeah, I, I hope I hope he comes back. Yeah, we can and we can move on to um, some more positive and I guess a little bit negative news. Um, let's just talk generically about Week 13 and your guys' winners and losers. Um, I'll I can start if you guys want. Uh, my big winner of the week this week. And I have to give a shout out to them, the Houston Texans, who have now won what is it, t- nine in a row, ten in a row. Um, this is, I mean, this is the best we've ever seen their offense. This is the defense is on fire. Uh, they basically clinched the AFC South now that the Colts have lost to the reeling Jaguars. Um, there's a real shot at them getting the second seed as well. Uh, so, I mean, my big winner of the week is the Houston Texans. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and for our viewers who cannot see our Skype feed, Adi uh, is currently wearing an Oilers jersey, which is debatable. We don't know. I, I said you have a story about this, so why don't you go ahead and share? Because I have, a, I have a take on this. I'm not sure if wearing an Oilers jersey is actually supporting the Texans 
or the Titans? I think I think so. To me, it just depends on who you're wearing. Because I went to the Texans game last Monday against the Titans, and they were giving away free towels, and I was wearing my throwback Oilers Warren Moon jersey, who only played for the Houston Texans, and the dude wouldn't give me the towel. He's he asked me if I'm supporting the Titans or the Texans. I said obviously I'm wearing the, the Texans, but he was convinced that because I was wearing an Oilers jersey, but I guess it's the same color scheme still, but. Uh, he was convinced I was a Titans fan and didn't want to give me a towel until I showed him the Warren Moon, the Moon on the back of my jersey and the number one, and finally gave it to me. But but then you know you you go to your seats and everyone's like complimenting you on your Warren Moon jersey. It's like oh Warren Moon, yeah, throwback Oilers, yeah. So it's just I think it's just that <laughs> one dude. They weren't so Titans fans or or they no, they worked there. Or? No, they worked <laughs> there. Yeah, I mean it is a nice jersey just in itself. So I don't know. I mean they could just be complimenting you on the jersey. I don't know. It is a very beautiful jersey, but uh, yeah, it's my my winner of the week is the Texans. I guess I can go next. My winner is uh, the human joystick, Tariq Cohen. Who I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Tariq Cohen is the most exciting player I've seen in a Bears uniform since Devin Hester. And the guy does everything. He threw for a touchdown pass. He, he does these un, unreal runs where you're just yelling at the TV for five seconds, telling him to stop running, to stop juking, and then he breaks off what should be a 10-yard loss for a 20-yard gain. And you're, you're just so mad at him, but you can't help but love him. And I remember when we drafted him, we, someone dug up that video of him doing a, a backflip and catching two, hand, two balls at the same time during his backflip. And... You know, I was like, oh, man, this is this is just going to be another YouTube freak. Like, uh, who is that guy? Jerron, uh, Jerron Gilbert? Jerron Gilbert. Jerron Gilbert, Gilbert, yeah. Who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jumped out of a pool who <laughs> landed outside. But, yeah. no, Tariq We Cohen literally been... drafted a player because he jumped out of a pool. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was the only reason why we drafted him. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, that might go to Tariq Cohen. I, I love watching that guy play. Yeah, and you didn't even mention his route running. He's just dominating people on, on his routes, and he's just getting catches like it's like it's nothing. So, I mean, he's a PPR god, and he's a Chicago Bear god. Adi? Yes? Your winner? <laughs> I mean, you picked the Texans, so um, I think I'm going to have to go with Saquon Barkley. <laughs> I think that he's really, really, really just – first of all, he's come through for me in my league, so he's my winner. And two, I think that despite their team being absolutely atrocious, he's come out time and time again and just put up amazing performances to the point where I think that um, if they were two games better, he would even be in the MVP conversation, but they're not. All right. Um, so basically, you just picked him because he wanted your fantasy league, which is okay. But <laughs> no, I think I think the consistency. I think the consistency in which he's performed on such a shitty team against every team he's gone against, whether they're like a good defense like the Bears or just a crappy defense like the Eagles. Uh, I think no matter who he's gone against, he's just been so damn consistent and just he's had like a wow play every game that I can remember, and it's just pretty good to see. Do you think Saquon has changed your mind about the value of first-round running backs or high-pick running backs, considering no, I what think, you've seen out of him, Zeke, and Gurley? I, I, first and of McCaffrey. All, I'm, not as convinced, I'm not as convinced about Zeke, 
But I guess Gurley definitely gives the answer. I think it depends on your offense entirely, right? I think it's where – I think for the Giants, I still don't know if it's the correct pick because, like, just where they were and what they needed. But uh, I think if your offense is, just needs that one piece, for then, yeah, it's totally worth it. But it's got to be, like, a bona fide star. can't just be, like, a, a risk. I think Saquon – it was even less of a risk than uh, some of the other players you mentioned. So I think for a Saquon-like talent, yeah, for maybe uh, McCafferty, that's maybe – I mean, he was amazing in college and everything, but that still seemed like a little bit more of a risk than Saquon. Saquon just built – would look like he's built to play in the pros. Yeah. Um, do you have a loser for this week? I certainly do. My loser for this week – the goddamn Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you go through? They, you know, at first when you watch that game, it was really exciting. And of course, you know, we always we're we're as a as a podcast, we're Chargers fans, so we we certainly certainly enjoyed that. But the level and extent to which they blew that game uh, was phenomenal. And I mean, yes, the referees somewhat contributed to it. But I, I'm ready to get spicy. I'm ready to get spicy. How good <laughs> is Mike Tomlin, really? I mean, really? Like, like, would he have his job if he didn't have that first Super Bowl? Like, the jury's still is, out. <laughs> yeah, is Ben Roethlisberger even really a good quarterback? Like, I don't know, man. Like, it seems to me like they keep getting gifted the best playmakers, even though they play in the most miserable tundra. They get like Le'Veons and Juju's and uh, Antonio Browns, and and I just feel like and they actually have a they're good so incredible. Model. They're so incredible at drafting that it 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 overshadows how bad their coaching is. <laughs> yeah, like totally, truly. And, truly, and like so, you know, there's a lot of debate and argument about the three offsides and were they the only chance they had to block a field goal? And so, you know, is it really worth it? But I don't know, man. I, maybe there's a reason that there hasn't been a team that has got three offsides ever in the history to end the game. Like I did this guy just think he's reinventing the wheel here. Like, Oh, we're, <laughs> we're going to tie the snap perfectly. And who cares if you get a five yard penalty, but we're going to do it three times in a row. Like, come on. It, it's actually a pretty smart strategy. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's no reason not to continue. It's it's a total Madden move, right? Like, this is something I would do in Madden. <laughs> no, but they did this to a guy who – no, no. They did this to a guy who hasn't missed a field goal the entire year. Yeah. Uh, no, Badgley? No, Badgley was, has been terrible this year. Wasn't well, he? I thought I thought he had no. Badgley has been really bad. No, but I yeah, think maybe like, it's from that range or something like that. Like maybe from within. So from within that range. So okay, if he's terrible, so okay, let's just say he's terrible, right? Actually, straight garbage. Then yeah. wouldn't you? Wouldn't those five yards mean a lot? A lot to him making or missing the kick then. Sure, but I. This is what I do in Madden. So when I'm down, when I'm down, and the other team has the ball, we know what the Madden thing is. We all do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thing. Okay, That's you just continue outside. Yeah. But in this situation, right, like, it doesn't matter if you keep putting them on the one-yard line until you block it, right? But then, you also, have to, but then you also have to time it perfectly, right? You have to continuously wait, do it. Wait, no. Wait, Badgley hasn't been bad. What are we saying? That's what I'm saying. Oh, Badgley's, Badgley's 10 of 11, bro. Oh, that really? was a, oh wow. He is that's perfect. A, yeah. Badgley's actually really good. He's that's 10 of 11 field goals and 18 of 19 extra points. 
That's wow. what I'm saying. Man. That's I what I'm telling. Uh, I thought the Chargers had some special teams issues. They uh, did. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, Matt has been their savior. I'm telling you, he's been their savior. It, oh, it made man. no sense to me because to me, the closer you bring it, this guy clearly has made every field goal within a short range. The only chance he had of him missing it was keeping it at that 40 plus yard mark, and they brought him into the 30 plus, and just by doing that, time and time, it wasn't like they brought it to the five yard line. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, to a certain extent, it is an it's an interesting strategy. But yeah, it's like maybe it is. Point. But but like, look, yeah. Mike, it's definitely one of those things that if they got it on the second or third time, we'd be like, oh, bad and move, genius coach, you know. But like, all I'm saying <laughs> is, so how many times is Tomlin just gonna keep doing dumb shit? Like this, boy, this we're talking about the same coach that got caught knocking down a kick returner in the middle of a game. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you're losing the Steelers. My loser. Yeah. Oh, what are you saying? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah. So that's my losers, the Steelers. Yeah. Your losers, the Steelers. My loser this week uh, was between the Packers and the Chiefs, but I ended up picking the biggest loser was the Colts because how do you get shut out against the Jaguars <laughs> this year? completely shut out and i mean the entire week leading up we were talking about how good andrew luck's been he's been amazing he's been phenomenal how how he's made these running backs look amazing and you know we were talking up the colts about maybe beating the texans and then they go and put up a goose egg against the jaguars and and then on this podcast we were also talking shit about jalen ramsey and what he's done this year I don't know. The The Colts looked awful. They basically blew their chance at the AFC South, so they're the biggest loser this week. Um, sorry, Andrew Luck. Sorry, H-Town's own Andrew Luck, but it is what it is. I said. So you already mentioned mine, but as a diehard Bears fan, my winner was a Bear. Now, anytime the Packers suck, I'm going to live it up. So my loser is Mike McCarthy and the Packers because why not? Mike McCarthy has made <clears throat> a career out of Aaron Rodgers' greatness. And I'm saying this completely biased as a Bears fan, completely biased. But Mike McCarthy, not that good of a coach. He has probably one of the best quarterbacks in the modern era in Aaron Rodgers, surefire Hall of Famer. And how many, how do you not win multiple Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback with the talent you've had at receiver, the decent defenses you've had? It's not, it's not a talent issue. It's not a talent issue, right? Aaron Rodgers, I mean, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, any decent head coach should have multiple championships. And so I'm, really I'm glad they tired, fired. Yeah, I'm really tired of these talking heads talking about them not having talent at wide receiver or at running back. Or no, they have Aaron Jones, who's been phenomenal. Number one, they have a top five receiver, at least top ten, in Devontae Adams. I mean, I don't know how many amazing receivers you need. How on much your more team do you want? Super Bowl? Yeah, how exactly. much more do you like, want? It's not like every player on your team is going to be a, a Pro Bowler, right? Like you have to have role players. You have to have guys who are going to make plays. Uh, smaller before guys the, who are going to make big plays. And, before and the game, season, but. you had you had a top right top five to ten receiver. You had a top two or three quarterback in the league in Aaron Rodgers. Probably number right? one, right? Like, yeah, to be real, number one. That that should be. I mean, that should be an easy playoff every year, which it had been. But you've got to you got to win Super Bowls with it, and I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. I think Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback because I've seen him destroy the Bears multiple times over the years. Mike McCarthy is not a great coach, and I'm glad they finally realized it. And honestly, 
And again, I'm saying this is a completely biased Bears fan. I hope they stay in limbo for the next five to ten years, kind of like we did, and hire the next Mark Tressman or go back and hire John Fox or give John Gruden a ten-year, hundred million dollar contract. <laughs> yes, um, I have one. I have two words to that, Jeff Fisher. <laughs> oh, he's waiting. He's lurking. Yeah, we're, we're hoping. We're gonna put it out there. We're gonna put it out in the air and hope. And just pray that Jeff Fisher finds a job in Green Bay. For, um, forever 8 and 8. Forever 8 and 8. Uh, but yeah, that's our take on the NFL. Let's move on to some other sports uh, just real quick. Arsenal, our Arsenal won the Derby um, in a historic and great fashion. Coming back from 2 1 after a bullshit penalty, a Bamiyang, Lacazette, and our boy, our favorite, Lucas Torreya. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the Derby? But then also, tomorrow, another huge game back-to-back on a Wednesday, Arsenal versus Man U. So let's talk about the Derby a little bit, and then I'm going to get your predictions on the game tomorrow. That was, um, that was one of the most exciting Derbies I've seen in, uh, in my life, just because, you know, I was so excited when we went up 1-0, and then Mike Dean just going full Mike Dean and, you know, screwing us over again and again and again. And Arsenal Twitter was all down and we were all down except Adi who was asleep. And, <laughs> and then the barrage of goals uh, starting, you know, can we just say Lacazette's goal? I know it was a deflection, but good God, man, the excitement in that arena at the time. I have never heard the Emirates ladder. I, I swear to God, I had never heard it louder. Even in that FA Cup win against – I mean, that was at Wembley's, but the Arsenal fan base has never been louder at the Emirates. So it was crazy. I mean, Lacazette's goal, like you said, I saw it bounce like three, four times. I was like, there's no way this is going in. There's no way this is going in. And it slowly by – like surely but slowly crept in right past Loris's head. So um, – and Adi, I know you have some, some – feelings about lucas a little boy lucas um little man i should say why don't you talk a little bit about him he is uh probably the quickest arsenal player to warm my cold bitter heart in the history of my uh 20 plus long year love affair with arsenal that guy brings everything that we've been missing i mean we all knew it right like i like Arsene Wenger probably is the only man in the universe that didn't know that we needed an engine in the heart of the, our midfield. But, you know, he, this guy provides the engine, you know, typical fairy tale story. He grew up in a very small, poor town in uh, South America, hardworking kid, undersized, you know, basically the Jose Altuve of the Premier League. Uh, the Tariq just- Cohen of the Premier League. <laughs> the Tariq <laughs> Cohen of the Premier League. And, you know, we, we all have a soft spot in our heart for that but uh one thing i want to say uh i this is one of the first arsenal games in my life that even though i knew the score i literally watched the whole game from beginning to end seven hours after it occurred and uh you're right the emirates is back and to say it's back really means it's to say it's for the first time it's really come here (laughs) because since we moved from highbury it hasn't really been Best of times, but uh, your boy is going back to London on December 24th, mate, and he's going to see the Gunners because we're back. However, let's side caution note, we're still 11 points behind Man City, but still, we're back. 
<laughs> we're back. I mean, us being back is basically just us being top four for now. But I mean, we back. We back for now. Um, but yeah, so big game tomorrow, Manu at Arsenal. It's not at the Emirates, it's at Old Trafford. Trafford, Manu's been basically terrible this year. Arsenal's been hot, um, but they're still very close to the table. Who do you guys got tomorrow? I mean, I don't know if you can pick against Arsenal at this point, but how much? Yeah, I can't pick. I can't pick against them, especially against Man U and the the ruin that they're in. Give me Arsenal. Yeah, it would it would be pretty um pretty heartbreaking to lose to Man U tomorrow, considering the way Man U's beaten us over the years. This this is the sort of time where if we want to cement, we're back. That we gotta back up that Tottenham win with this Man U win because let's be real, Man U's not even a top four side anymore. Yeah, they suck and we hate them. And this podcast hits them, so if you're a Man U fan, we hate you. Too. No, I'm just kidding. We're we're a good seven one win away from getting Jose Mourinho fired, and uh, if we did that, that would be the sweetest revenge on that pimple face. Yes, the sweetest revenge on Jose. Um, let's move on to another uh, another big weekend in UFC, UFC 231. Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. Uh, we're not going to talk all that much about it, but I said I know you got some. I know you got some thoughts on the first fight and the second fight, of course. Valentina Shevchenko versus Young Young Jacek. Uh, but let's talk about Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. Brian T. City Ortega. Uh, who you got in this fight? What do you like? What's the matchup like? Give us a breakdown of the fight. You know what it is. So basically you have the, the one of the best all-around fighters in the world, Max Holloway, going against Brian T. City Ortega, who I have doubted almost every single fight that he's been in. I just I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the hype. He had too many last-second finishes. Too many fights where he was losing and somehow pulls out a mir- miracle win. Let's and, be real. He is the clutchest fighter in UFC history, I think. Right? Yeah. Like he, he has to be. He's so clutch. He doesn't yeah. have to fight. <laughs> and you know, I, I was a firm non-believer until he knocked Frankie Edgar into another planet with an uppercut. And after that, I said, I'm not downing Brian Ortega ever again. Brian Ortega is a monster. And... He he once he proved that he could stand up with you know one of the best boxers in the UFC and Frankie Edgar, I I, I have nothing to doubt anymore. His his jujitsu game is unreal. His his stand up is there, but Max Holloway is not a chump. And the my big concern for this fight is Max Holloway's weight weight cut. I really want to see what he looks like Saturday um, at the weigh-ins and uh, what kind of shape he's going to be, or if he even gets there. To and be he honest, had, I so, mean, he had some some health issues. I'm not sure if uh, it's very scary health issues. Yeah, I'm not sure how informed you are, but if you could talk about that, because he's been out for a year and he was supposed to fight Khabib. He stepped in to fight Khabib. He tried weight cutting, uh, and you could even see in the in the videos and uh, the interviews beforehand, he was like completely out of his mind. He was uh, not all there. Yeah, yeah. He was not all there, and you know, we had recently had a scary weight cut incident with the. Cynthia Calvillo, who uh, tried to cut weight and missed weight, and you can see her walking up to the scale, and that was very scary. She looked like she was about to pass out and end up in the hospital. Um, Max Holloway, kind of the same thing. He was out of it during interviews. 
couldn't make the weight, wasn't med- was medically not cleared to continue cutting weight. And, you know, that fight was called off. So we'll see what kind of shape Max Holloway is in. And honestly, for that reason, I, I'm not going against Brian Ortega. I think Brian Ortega ends up the champion, whether he fights Max Holloway or they fights um, uh, Hinata Moicano in the placement match. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to take Max Holloway just because he's, I mean, I, I just love him. He's my favorite fighter. This guy is a beast. He comes to fight every time. If he's stepping into that ring, that dude's going to be there to fight. And I don't think Brian Ortega is going to knock him out. I don't think – I think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to be a five-round war. I said the same thing with Khabib and Connor. It ended up being a four-round war, which could be won uh, decisively. But, yeah, so I think Max is going to be uh, the winner. A quick prediction on the chepchenko young Jacek fight, because that is also an amazing fight of two uh, beautiful Muay Thai strikers. I don't mean beautiful in the sense of attractiveness. I mean beautiful in the sense of their style. They're also beautiful women, I guess. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're amazing Muay Thai fighters. Uh, yeah, this is Ioana, a hell of a fight. Yeah. Joanna's coming off uh, some bad losses to Rose. Her confidence might be a little bit shook. Um, she's looking to get it back, uh, looking to get it back. And I'm not even sure if this is, this is a title fight. This is a flyweight title bout. Um, they're not really marketing it that much though. Uh, I had to look it up to see if it was actually for the title. Um, but yeah, so this is for a title fight. Who do you got in this fight? What do you like about the matchup? You know, I love the matchup. I think uh, they fought in kickboxing three times. Shevchenko won all three. So uh, this is a this is I guess you can call it a grudge match if you want to call it that. And I know kickboxing isn't uh, MMA, but I, let's be real; these are two kickboxers. These are two Muay Thai fighters who love to stand up and trade. And at this point in their career, I have to give the advantage to Valentina. I think she should be a champion. Um, she's basically the defunct champion of this division. Uh, you know, if Nico Montana could can make weight or actually make it to a fight, she probably would have lost. She was one of the biggest underdogs in the history of the UFC against she Valentina. The biggest. I think she was actually the biggest underdog <coughs> in UFC history. Right. So, in my eyes, Valentina is a champion. Uh, this is in her weight class. Yana is uh, moving down uh, to fight, and I, I just think Valentina is an outclasser on the feet. Wow. Um... I'm actually not going to – I'm going to pick Joanna. I'm going opposite against you again. Um, I think she's got the heart of a champion. I think she's going to come back uh, stronger and better than ever, and hopefully she'll – I don't know. I just don't see her losing three fights in a row. But, I mean, Valentina is a – she's a beast, and she's an amazing Muay Thai fighter, and she's the perfect counter to Joanna's style, just like Rose. I mean, Rose was also a perfect counter to her, Rose Namajunas, but – Valentina is just as bad of a matchup for her as Rose Namajunas was. So I'm picking, I'm still picking Joanna, but it's a it's a tough pick for me. You guys have any other thoughts on uh, on any sports or anything else you guys want to touch on? I'm good. Think yeah, we're good. All right. All right. Uh, thank you again for listening to our podcast. This is the Jackson Back Show. Uh, as always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at J O C S D A N D D O C S. You can also follow us on your favorite podcasting streaming application that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, Yeah, that's it. Any last words? Nope. 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 Peace.